Welcome to day five of our look through John chapter four in daily drive time devotions. We're going to be looking at the healing of the nobleman's son in verses 43 to 54 today, following up on the long story of the conversation of Jesus and the woman at the well. After two days, it says in verse 43, here's what happened next. He left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. And when he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They'd all seen what he'd done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. Jesus is moving, you need to see the pattern here. Jesus is moving north, away from Judea, from Jerusalem, to delay this honor of the crowds. Now, there's a couple of ways to look at this. The honor that was gained when he went to Jerusalem, Jesus didn't want to be noticed for some reason. That's For some reason, he uh, had a different plan about who he was going to preach to at that time. But the other way to look at this is also God's timing in his life. He needed to move towards the north because there was a timing for him to go to the cross. And if he stayed in Jerusalem where all the centers of power were, they'd get very quickly upset at him, and they'd want to put him on a cross earlier than he knew it was time for him to be on a cross. So Jesus knew God's timing. And he moves to the north, to Galilee. This is the beginning of his great Galilean ministry, about 16 months. And John, as he talks about this, focuses on a couple of events in this ministry. The feeding of the 5,000 and also this healing of the nobleman's son. Listen to what happened in verse 46. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. So here's this royal official. Who was he? He was most likely a servant of Herod the king. The idea, the word here is basilicos, pertaining to the king, and Herod was the only king at that time. He was a very high and honored man. And he comes to ask Jesus for help. He's there because he has a sick child. And all of us can relate to the helpless feeling of not knowing how to cure a sick child. So he comes and he requests that Jesus come. He begged him to come and heal his son. The tense of the verb that's used here is that he requested, he begged repeatedly. Here's the king's man, a man of power and prestige and riches. No one could help him. Power could not demand a healing. Prestige could not influence a healing. Money couldn't buy a healing. It's amazing, by the way, what money can't buy. Money can buy a house, but not a home. It can buy books, but not brains. It can buy companionship, but not friendship. Money can buy the wood for a cross. It can't buy a savior. And this man recognized that. And so he comes and he humbles himself. And he requests for Jesus to come. And listen to Jesus' answer. It is surprising to many people when they first hear Jesus' answer. Verses 48 and 49. Jesus answers, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. (laughs) You hear that answer. Did Jesus' words sound blunt, uncaring? Why does he answer this way? The man comes and says, I have a sick child. And and Jesus says, unless you see miraculous signs, you're never going to believe. Why would Jesus answer like that? We know he cared. We know that Jesus has compassion. Jesus answers this way because he has a deeper concern than the life of this child. You see, Jesus knows what we, we don't know. Jesus knew that the child would be spared. Nothing's impossible for God. He knew the problem was already solved. He knew what he was going to do. And so his concern was not for a problem that was already solved. His concern, as he looked into the eyes of that crowd, as he looked into the eyes of that man, his concern was for their faith. 
He knew that that was where the greatest danger, the greatest crisis was in this story. These words that he speaks in in seeming rebuke to this man are plural. He's talking to the whole crowd and not just that man. And you can almost feel the crowd when this man comes and says, would you heal my child? Their spiritual enthusiasm starts to rise. They want another spiritual fix to keep on their messianic high. Wow, he's really the one. And Jesus looks around and says, signs and wonders are not what it's all about. If you're just here to see that, you're going to miss faith. Jesus' rebuke here is towards the seeing-is-believing philosophy of the world. I just want to see some more so I can believe some more. Jesus knows the danger of that for our spiritual life, our spiritual growth. The truth is, the truth is, believing is seeing. The truth is, when I believe, when I trust in God, that's when I see him at work in my life. And so Jesus here is talking to people who want to develop a signs and wonders faith, focused on the spectacular miracles that Jesus was working And he says to them, there's danger here. And then he turns back to the man, this man and his family that we're going to see in verse 53 when we get there at the end of the story. I want to let you in on the end of the story now. They're going to believe. They're going to have faith in Jesus Christ. I want to walk through how they get there because it's an object lesson in how we develop faith. Faith both for the first time, if you've never put faith in Jesus Christ, or faith as we grow in faith. Let's walk back from verse 53 to see how their faith is developed. Number one, it starts with a crisis. Their child is sick. And for many of us, it's any port in a storm. I'm looking for any hope. In a crisis, we're just looking for someone. The Jewish Messiah or Roman doctor or Greek philosopher, it might not have mattered to this man in that moment. He just needed help. And Jesus looked like the most likely one to help. It starts with a crisis. But then something happens. Second thing, second part of the development of faith is He comes to Jesus. He came because he believed that Jesus could work a miracle. He believed that Jesus could meet his felt need. This man came to talk to Jesus about a need that he had in his life. And then Jesus began to talk to him about the deepest need that he had in his life. What's the use of healing the son if your family doesn't believe? What's the use of a life in this world if you're not looking forward to an eternal life? He comes to Jesus. It started with a crisis, and then he did the right thing. He came to Jesus, and that's where most of us start. Truth of the matter is, most of us start exactly where he did. We come to Jesus not because we love him or because we want to praise him, not at the beginning. We come to Jesus not because we want to express love to him or praise to him, not at the beginning. We come because we need him, and that may sound selfish, but for most of us in the beginning, that is the level of our faith. There is a need in our lives and we come to Jesus Christ. You can't stay just at the level of this need, but the right decision is to come to Jesus Christ. Faith in what Jesus Christ could do is what started this man on the journey, and his faith begins to grow when he moves from demanding to depending. Instead of coming to Jesus and saying, I order you to do this, he says, I need you. And then something amazing happens you really begin to see the seeds of faith in this man's life in verse 50. Let me read it for you. Jesus replied to the man, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and he departed. Now, let me ask you, would you have done this? I mean, doesn't it sound a little bit here like just getting rid of this man? Jesus is saying, oh, oh, go, he'll be healed. But this man trusted, he took Jesus at his word. You see, instead of just doing what this man asks, Jesus puts the man in a position where he must do what Jesus asks. You see what happens? Jesus doesn't just say, okay, he's healed. No, Jesus says, you may go. 
your son will live. This man has to take a step of faith, and he does. He took Jesus at his word, and he departed. Many times we come to Jesus Christ, and we tell him what he must do. Now, you may not put it in those words, but you do, and I do. Jesus, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this, because I'm feeling this. And then he doesn't do it. It doesn't work out like I wanted it to work out. What do you do in those moments? You take him at his word. This man listened to what Jesus said instead of just listening to what he wanted. And because of that, he heard what Jesus said, and he took him at his word. This official is faced with life's greatest decision. Jesus makes a promise, and he's forced to decide, am I going to believe or not? And he takes Jesus at his word. So the question for me, the question for you is this, at what point in your life have you taken God at his word and acted? Because until you do, if you want to develop faith, until you take God at his word and act on that, you're never going to discover how trustworthy he is. You can question it in your mind the rest of your life. This man could have stood there with Jesus and argued all day long. It wasn't until he had the faith to act, to take Jesus at his word, that he discovered that Jesus could be trusted. In fact, that's the fourth part of the development of faith here. He saw that Jesus could be trusted. In verses 51 to 52, while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that this boy was living. When he inquired as to what time the boy got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. This was a long-distance healing. Distance is no problem to God when it comes to doing a miracle. It's God. He can do anything. That means that God can heal in your bedroom or your living room or hospital room or in a church. He can heal anywhere. Proximity with this or that or another thing has nothing to do with the power of God to work. In fact, you could pray for healing right now in your life. Now, you may wonder, why doesn't God always heal as we read through these verses? And we're going to come across several healings in the book of John and answer that question as we walk through this book because it's a very important question in life. The truth is God always cares. And the truth is in this world, we, we do live in an evil world. We're not in heaven yet. And God doesn't always heal. As we walk through the gospel of John, we're going to see some of the ways of God, how he works in our lives. But let's continue to focus in on this man and what he's doing. What happens in this story is that this man discovers that he is trustworthy. You don't have to be healed to discover that. You discover that Jesus is trustworthy because he died on a cross to give you forgiveness. That's the clearest, clearest expression of his trustworthiness. Well, the second clearest. The clearest expression is he said he would die and be raised on the third day, and he was. Jesus is trustworthy. And because this man discovers that Jesus is trustworthy, He takes another step of faith. He believes. Listen to verses 53 to 54. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee, the second miracle in Cana. Jesus has a deep desire to move us from a faith that's based on signs and wonders and things that we can see on the outside to a faith that's based on experience of his faithfulness. And that's exactly what happened to this man. He believed. His whole family believed. He moved from faith in the power of Jesus, yes, you can do something, to faith in the promise of Jesus, I will act, I will trust you, I'll take you at your word, to faith in the person of Jesus, a relationship with Jesus Christ. He moved from coming to God with his problems to trusting God for a solution, to trusting God with his life. And that's the kind of result that Jesus was looking for. Not just some temporary fix, but faith, faith that lasts. As we pray today, let's pray for faith. Say to Jesus Christ, Jesus, develop my faith. 
As I pray this prayer, I pray it knowing that you develop our faith sometimes through difficult times, through struggles. But God, I know that the struggles that you allow in my life, that you don't take any joy in the struggle, but you do take joy in the fact you can develop faith even through those. And so develop my faith through even the problems. Develop my faith through the relationships. Develop my faith through my daily talks with you and time in your word. Jesus Christ, I need you. And so I come to you and I ask you to help me to take you at your word, to act upon your word, and to believe in you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, join us next week. We're going to be looking at the next chapter of the book of John, John chapter 5. 